Welcome back to Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast, where we dive into the heart of what makes the property market tick. I'm May Claire Bolton-Smith, your host and curious observer of all things related to property, from affordable housing to market trends and the impacts of natural disasters to climate change. I want to converse about it all. Insurance. It's an essential financial resource that homeowners and businesses rely upon to navigate the uncertainty that comes with disasters big and small. The industry has come a long way from its origins. What began as a solution to protect globe-trotting merchant sailors from the coffee houses of London is now a robust industry. From insurance origination to claims processing and physical restoration, insurance is designed to cover a broad array of assets from both natural and human-caused perils. While the insurance product that consumers purchase today may look the same as it did in decades past, technology-driven innovation has changed how this product is delivered, resulting in a very competitive market that's ever-evolving. Looking to the future, experts are predicting even more profound changes to data and capture analysis. A 2021 McKinsey report found that insurance will shift from its current state of detect and repair to predict and prevent, transforming every aspect of the industry in its process. To better understand the consequences of such an evolution and discuss what both insurers and consumers can expect in the coming years, we have the president of CoreLogic's Protect Division, Garrett Gray. Garrett, welcome to Core Conversations. Ah, thanks for having me. That's a great intro. All right. So to get us started today, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in the insurance space and how you use it to inform the direction of where we are going with CoreLogic in the Protect segment? Yeah, so my uh, background in insurance is uh, like from the trenches. I uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I uh, I kind of grew up in the space, been uh, around the space for about uh, seventeen plus years, and um, you know most of what I did in the beginning was sucking out black water or getting into the uh, crawl spaces of, of homes and and full protection. Deep in the trenches. <laughs> in the trenches, uh, <laughs> learning, you know, learning it from a, a very hands-on perspective. So uh, most of what I've done uh, really came from the uh, contractor perspective, uh, knowing really what it took to get work done uh, in terms of settling claims. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, I really focused in the early days on the, the business and of, of claim settlement and, and what that means in terms of all the paperwork and the administrative work uh, for getting that taken care of. And, and back in those days, it was very uh, manual and very paper intensive mm. and very inefficient, uh, something that did not work well for uh, both policyholders, adjusters, and all the you know, stakeholders in the claims process. Uh, but uh, uh, over time, uh, we've been a part of uh, transforming that and digitizing it, making it completely virtual. That That is so great and really the reason why we want to have this conversation with you today. So I guess just diving a little bit into your background, because that's great, deep in the trenches. What makes insurance so interesting for you to, why have you made this your life? Hey, it's a, it really is a, a something I sit and reflect on every once in a while. Like, why <laughs> this area? Like, why why insurance? It's, it seems such like a random place to um, to to really build a a, a long career in. Um, I, I think what what really drove me to continue to to innovate in the space is it was a, a industry that really lacked a lot of uh, innovation. Uh, mm. Paper really drove. 
uh, a lot of the way people operated. And I mean, even I remember uh, adjusters would only receive faxes. Uh, in, in, wow. And that's not that long ago for, for an industry wow. uh, that was, you know, really just, you know, bogged down in manual processes. And, and you look at like what we get to do and we're serving the space is you've got people who are at their lowest you know, point in their life. Sometimes they've had, you know, their whole home destroyed and all of their possessions and their, you know, family, uh, videos and photos, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, little Tommy's teddy bear. Like there's all these like personal connections to, uh, uh people's, you know, most, uh, sacred items that are affected in this you know, kind of moment of, of peril and, and, you know, being a part of, teams that, you know, got these properties back to pre-loss condition and these lives back to pre-loss condition and all of the the work that it takes to, to fund that and get that adjudicated through the claims process. Uh, it, it, there's such a human element to it that uh, has really um, it, driven at least my interest in this space. That That's so great. And I mean, you really resonate with, I think, with me and with a lot of people, because here at CoreLogic, we say we help protect and restore properties. And that's the human aspect of this. This is why we do this, is we help people come back from when bad things happen to them. So I, I want to dive into innovation. I want to talk about what the future looks like. But before we get into the future, can you talk a little bit about, like, just explain what does the insurance industry look like today? Yeah, and and I'll try to connect like why this all matters to the the homeowner and why you know eliminating the the paper and the redundancy uh, is is actually mm-hmm. impactful to people in, in their time of need. Uh, if you think about where insurance has been, um, it, all of the process to get people back to pre loss condition is pretty onerous. There are thousands of line items that might be um, built in order to uh, uh, you know articulate what the homeowner uh, is owed to get back to pre-loss condition. Um, there could be contractors who are building those line items and adjusters who are trying to justify or, you know, figure out of those, the right line items. And every, you know, a piece of this process that is manual or that is not efficient is essentially taking focus off of the actual policyholder and what they need. It, you know, it, every element that we're able to automate and get to faster, better um, uh, responses or better outcomes uh, frees up the adjuster and the contractors and everybody else involved to to have better bedside manners. And so that's the lens that we put uh, over all of our solutions. How do we you know make sure that those who are servicing the policyholder to get them uh, back to uh, a better state than they are, you know, prior to the loss. Uh, how do we make sure that they are freed up to to provide that level of customer service? Uh, and and so I think it, where is insurance at today? Like insurance is in the middle of that transformation, right? There's still a lot left to be automated, and there but there's a lot that we've improved uh, over the last several years that have allowed the focus to return back to the policyholder. So you you mentioned about a few things there, and I love that you started talking about adjusters and di- different parts of insurance because I think a lot of people are familiar with I I bought a new house, I need insurance for it. I have 
a, a pipe burst, so I need to get my pipe fixed. And insurance is something that we all have and we all hope we never need to use. But when we do need to use it, we're always in this state of, you know, what do I do with it? So I think a lot of people probably are familiar with claims management because heaven forbid, if something happens, you need to deal with the claims. But you are very familiar with another part that people don't necessarily think of, and that's restoration. So I want to talk a little bit more about restoration. So can you, I guess a couple things, talk a little bit more about, you know, what is restoration versus claims management or underwriting for that matter, when we're talking talk insurance, but, you know, why you really wanted to focus on this and really make it your career in your life. Yeah, so I think there's many components to insurance, right? You've got underwriting and, and, and pricing, you know, uh, price to risk. Um, and then you've got the, you know, anytime there's a claims, you got the claims management. And then you got the actual restoration, which is the work of putting the, the homeowner or policyholder uh, back to pre-loss condition. And in, in, in a lot of ways, I, I don't want to say it's the most important uh, work, but it is, uh, it's the most, uh, it's the work that has the most human element associated right. with it. Like, I think it's really important that we have better tools to make sure that that we're we're better matching, you know, potential policyholders to policy writers, and and I think that has a human component too. I, I you know I uh, moved to the LA region recently, and uh, you know, finding somebody who would write a a policy uh, given my proximity to a wildfire risk uh, difficult, right <laughs> and so i know any anytime i've had a chance to talk about this I, i've brought this up uh but you know it, i i think that the the better that we're able to help you know match uh people looking for policies and people who are willing to write those risks there's a there's a big benefit there and, and i think we're we're definitely focused there uh but when somebody does have a loss and um and you need to match them one to a resource, a, a contractor who is mm -hmm. best um, uh, qualified to handle that particular type of loss that has the best sort of uh, statistics in terms of you know their their previous SLA management and their speed at getting the job done, the quality of the work that they did, um, the way that they you know wrote their estimate, uh, all things that we help drive better outcomes for in our claims management and restoration solutions. But then. You know, taking that data and figuring out how to best match a particular policyholder with a particular provider, uh, hoping to get a better outcome just purely by matching the right people together. Right. So, um, you know, there's a lot that we can do and do do to to both you know match the right resources and then guide everybody through that process in such a way that we're able to. Uh, drive better outcomes for both the policyholder, the carrier, and frankly, the um, the contractor and service provider who uh, are trying to get that work done. It, it, so one thing I'm going to do, you you did use an acronym there, and I always like to make sure we we stay on top of these. SLA. SLA, service level uh, agreements. So essentially, the okay. service level agreements that uh, people will you agree to and say, hey, uh, I will, you know, submit an estimate within 24 hours, things that kind of keep the claim moving along. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, we do a lot to both, you know, make sure that those are well identified and well articulated, and then tracked, so that we, you know, who's living up to those service level agreements that they are, um, they're agreeing to. I, I'm glad you just defined that, because that really is 
what we want to focus on is that is the helping part. And it's it really is helping drive things and connect things too, from whether it be the service provider or the contractor or for the, the policy holder and help connect everything all together. And and we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the entire ecosystem in a minute, but more than half a year ago now already, uh, you were the president of Next Gear Solutions, which was acquired by CoreLogic, and you've come in and now are the, the president of, of Protect. Can you talk a little bit about what Next Gear Solutions brought to CoreLogic and how this marriage of the two together now really does help provide a new industry standard of what we can offer the insurance industry? Yeah. So I think if you think about like the traditional CoreLogic assets, uh, especially around the really vast amount of data uh, that we have in uh, both in property and in terms of underwriting and hazard and risk. Uh, and then you look at the kind of newer assets that CoreLogic bought even before next year around estimatics mm-hmm. uh, and claims management. And then you now look at uh, what uh, CoreLogic bought with uh, next gear and and that really like completes the full life cycle of a claim yeah. uh, so it, you know if you go all the way to underwriting and now all the way to claim settlement um, we have a solution that uh, that focuses on every aspect of the claim all the way from uh, you know pricing uh, the the risk and then now to settling once a, a claim uh, is actually um, and materializes. And then that feedback loop uh, of all that exhaust data, being able to reinform uh, the process so that we can have even better underwriting data is really exciting. And, and you know, we're still at the a very nascent uh, uh, phase of, of, of starting to connect all these dots together. But if you, if you lay it all out and look at, you know, what uh, the, Actual restoration data that that we now have from the next year claims platform and understanding how claims are getting settled and how claims are uh, uh, getting adjudicated and and the the performance metrics of the uh, contractors who are doing those claims and you can connect that to our dispatch capability uh, and our ability to really inform and and uh, uh, you know change the claim outlook throughout the entire claim. Um, it's it's a really powerful set of uh, tools that really connect together in, in a way that uh, I think is 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 extremely unique because we we as as Nextgear had the largest group of of contractors using our tools um, and then you take that and marry it with this uh, really incredible property data and weather insights and and you you kind of look at all the different things that we uniquely are positioned to to create as a result. Uh, it's it's what's made me so excited to uh, you know one take on this new position and um, you know uh, think through all the ways that we can uh, you know change the way this space operates over the next you know coming months and years. It really is the way of the future. This everything an end to end solution. So I I think this end to end solution for insurance is what is driving a lot of this excitement because that's something that historically in the industry has never been available. So. I think historically, when people think of insurance, and you've kind of touched on a lot of this today, everything's been very segmented. It's been like, here's your underwriting, here's your claims, you need to get a contractor, you're on your own, figure that out. Like, And now this is really about connecting all of that together in this one big, broad insurance ecosystem from end to end. So why is that so important? Yeah, I think in, in a weird way, uh, 
there's been different elements that uh, have wanted to stay disconnected uh, on purpose. Mm. So, for example, uh, uh, this is in the contracting world. You know, carriers used to say that if you're doing the mitigation, I don't want you to do the reconstruction. And there was uh, a reason to say, like, the way you do the mitigation, if you know you're doing the reconstruction, you might actually um, create more scope. Uh, as a result, maybe you'll do more uh, uh, demolition than you needed to because you're going to do the rebuild. And so you were kind of a conflicted party. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is, is now that we've got technology and our audit capabilities, we can actually assess that out and see who's doing that um, and and prevent that from happening on the front end. And then we're able to say, okay, let's get the a single provider because that will when, when those things are controlled for, we actually get a better customer outcome by having a single provider. And so we're okay. letting technology uh, be the referee so that we don't have to worry about conflicted parties, you know, potentially inflating the scope. And so in the end, what we're doing is getting to, you know, less people uh, involved in the claim, which gets to better outcomes. We're still controlling uh, against, you know, potentially bad behavior by a, uh, a service provider. And so I, 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 I mentioned that to say, like, as yeah. we get to, you know, uh, less and less uh, um, connection points, meaning there's disparate systems or um, uh, things that are not connecting with each other well or not talking well, we can get to better outcomes and then control mm-hmm. for all the reasons why you might have wanted to keep those things separate. So, you know, is it important to have a feedback loop uh, from what's actually happening claims into unwriting? Absolutely. And, and so we should be making those connections. Um, is it, if we can get to a better uh, uh, knowledge of what it would take to actually um, restore different uh, homes, given the, the rapidly changing uh, inflation that we have and the um, you know, different uh, costs out there to, uh, to restore properties, if we can get that into our underwriting models, like we should be doing that. And so I, I think that it, it becomes pretty obvious, like the more that you can embrace a particular platform and then use all the interconnections uh, to get to better outcomes, that's something that uh, carriers are interested in doing. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I had never thought about that perspective of maybe conflict of interest of having multiple people involved. And I guess the question then leads to by having more of a connected ecosystem, do you think it will lead, will it actually help or maybe lead to fraud? Will it maybe help with more fraud? We've talked about that with insurance claims before. And, and I guess that just kind of comes up. Yeah, no, it's it's a good question, and it's one that I think it, you look at the tools that we offer, and it's scrubbing a lot of fraud. And having disconnected um, players actually led to more fraud, uh, or or, or I, fraud is maybe a, a strong word. Let's just say uh, inaccuracies. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think like when you you look at uh, and compare estimates, and you go, "Gosh, we can see." that there was duplicate demo done in the same room, in the same area, two different estimates, right? By two different players. Uh, We know that it's not true. We know only one of them could have done this demo, but we're finding this demo in two different providers estimates. And and the only reason we were able to find that now is because, you know, we have these uh, tools that where we scrub the estimate and compare it together and go, gosh, how is it possible that demolition was in this exact same uh, room uh, by this provider? And then 
they somehow the next provider to demolition to in the exact same area. And, and what it was is, is that it, it was a common thing that could be done. So they both put their estimate, but in the end, we know only one person did it. So it, wow. that, that kind of uh, capability for us to, to scrub that and, and say, look, this is a flag. This shouldn't have been done. It, it lends itself to saying, really, it would have been better to have one provider there right. the whole time because we would have been able to make sure that they only charge for it once. And, and now we don't have to determine who accidentally put it into their, into their scope. So I, I think it, that's one example of, of having less parties involved yeah. and having a more streamlined approach, but using technology to make sure that we are reducing um, the inaccuracies, getting to more accurate, fair, faster settlements uh, is is better for everybody involved. No, that that's great. Do we have any metrics on on maybe how things have improved, or do we not? Yeah, I mean, so there's about a ten percent inaccuracy okay. that we've been able to, uh, which is you know a, a pretty significant like yeah. You know, a uh, uh, level of ac- inaccuracy that we're able to scrub out, and and a lot of times inaccuracy is you know by mistake, and so we're able to give co- uh, contractors uh, feedback instantly to say, hey, look, like we think you know these are things that maybe you know were you know should not have been in the estimate that don't make sense, or, you know, one way or the other. Um, and inaccuracy can be both levels, right? It could be people forgot to put something in; doesn't always mean okay. they. Or, you know, scope something. So, um, I, you know, these estimates are relatively complex to put together. And so uh, our, our tools pretty consistently find by the 10% inaccuracy that they're able to scrub out in the initial process yeah. where the adjuster, you know, 50 plus percent of the time doesn't even have to touch it to, to get that to be uh, fully accurate and in compliance. Okay, that, that's really interesting and, and really a benefit of having this connected ecosystem in this end-to-end solution where you can kind of streamline and eliminate inaccuracies from from happening. Um, I, sometimes in this podcast, I, I like to say if you had a crystal ball and you could look into the crystal ball, what does the future look like? And I think specifically, I mean, you've talked about how things have evolved really in a short amount of time to from everything being paper to where we are today. If you think specifically about the restoration side of things, what do you think the future looks like? Well, first of all, like part of the catalyst for uh, things to speed up so fast, like, so we were already on this like train of, of going to more virtualized flows, mm-hmm. uh, more digitized, you know, less manual workflows. But then this little thing called COVID happened. And, uh, <laughs> it's Pandem- I, pandemic I, I, driven innovation, we call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, COVID changed everything really yeah. quickly. Uh, essentially, uh, things that were already in, in flight sped up really fast because insurance carriers very quickly had to send, you know, their adjusters home. They were not working, you know, in the office and they were right. also not going out to the field. Uh, for a long time, adjusters were not able to go into people's homes and yet restoration still had to keep happening, right? We, people had a pipe break or, you know, they had a fire or, you know, some sort of peril. It wasn't like they could just say, hey, we're going to wait till the pandemic's over to, to start the restoration process. That still had to keep moving forward. And carriers had to very quickly figure out how to operate in a world in which adjusters could not get into people's homes and they saw to you know, conduct uh, business. And so and, and, and it wouldn't make sense for carriers to say, hey, we're just going to have zero checks on this. We're just going to do whatever, you know, the service provider says like that would that wouldn't work. And so it like really <laughs> it really uh, forced the need to, to kind of embrace a lot of these tools, which they were already in the process of embracing. And so 
you know, a lot of what I, you know, when I'm talking to people about where is the industry going, when one thing I am confident of is that it, while COVID accelerated the direction towards more virtualized processes, I don't think it, it actually changed the trajectory. Mm. And what I mean by that okay. is I don't think we're going to reverse once COVID's over, right? And the reason for that is like, these were not, you know, new ideas that people had never considered before that were only applicable to COVID. These are ideas and working styles that were already uh, in the process, but carriers tend to move slow and COVID forced them to move fast. And so I don't think like there's a good reason to think that they're gonna reverse. In fact, I think it's only gonna continue to accelerate. And so where is the industry going? I think, you know, if you're a contractor, you have to recognize that there's going to be more and more of these technologies thrust upon you to help yeah. uh, virtualize the process. And if you're anti or, you know, change adverse, then you're you're going to have to struggle with, you know, do I stay inside the ecosystem or do I move outside the ecosystem? Uh, there are some contractors that live outside the ecosystem and they do just fine. But I think that the pool of claims that will exist outside the ecosystem will shrink. And so like if, if you want to have access to as many claims as possible, you need to be inside the ecosystem. Right. And and so you need to be, you know, uh, uh, fast adopting these new technologies so that you uh, uh, stay open to as many of these uh, uh, claims as possible. And, you know, carriers themselves are going to have more and more um, uh, players that are trying to solve this uh, uh, digitization and virtualization problem for them. And so there's going to be more competition for them. CoreLogic is one that has, you know, definitely gone all in on this uh, as with the acquisition of Nextgear and Simbility and, and, and others. And, and so I think, you know, we'll be, you know, uh, trying to be at the forefront of, of creating, you know, taking the best data and the best claims workflow uh, solutions and, 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 and digitizing this process for, for carriers and getting to better outcomes that way. Uh, but there'll be others. And yeah. I think you'll even see some of our competitors step up uh, given uh, our recent moves. And so there's going to be a lot of innovation in this space, uh, yeah. both AI, ML, um, uh, computer vision. There's just a ton coming down the pike. And um, and so I, I think no matter where, oh, yeah. So uh, machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, uh, these are uh, uh, acronyms I was I just used, but uh, um, essentially, you know, there we in our um, our tools that are scrubbing for the estimates you know, yeah. use these bots, which are essentially algorithms that look for uh, the fact that you know you have duplicate demolition, for example. Um, artificial intelligence can take that to a whole nother level and yeah. even be predictive about you know what uh, uh, needs needs to be in the scope based on certain attributes about the loss. And so uh, this all what this means is that that technology is going to uh, play a bigger and bigger role in how how work gets done. And and so the more you're at the forefront of being a part of that, it's easier to keep up with the learning curve. If you stay resistant and right. say, I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to be a late adopter. It's only going to become more and more to learn. And so right. I, I think as you're building businesses or you're thinking about your claims uh, platform or you're thinking about your, uh, you know, how your adjusters or your estimators or whoever you're managing is doing their work in, you know, integrating technology into it, trying to keep up with the state of play. Uh, I think is an important uh, part of your strategy because it's only going to get more fast moving. And, and I think that is a topic that we, it's a theme that we've heard across the board in all industries is first of all, that pandemic driven innovation is there was the industries were on a path of things being innovative and 
COVID just expedited all of it. And people needed to have these extra innovations to be able to continue to do their jobs during the, the pandemic. But I think, you know, you touched on a lot of really exciting things about the future, about this connected ecosystem, about all of this innovation. I guess if we just to, to wrap up here with one last question, my thought is, what are the challenges with all of this? Because with innovation, there are always challenges with this new connected ecosystem, you know, going back to those people that wanted to write things on paper to where we are now. What are the biggest challenges with the future? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is getting people who have existed in a certain paradigm to change and, and, you know, and change when it's not perfect, right? Nothing that has a, uh, that is technology based works perfectly all the time. There are challenges about the landscape that you have to deal with. So there's connectivity issues sometimes in terms of like, do we have Wi-Fi or do we have cell connection? And so it's really easy to attack the technology and say, oh, this is going to take longer or not realize that we're putting more work into the front end because we get a, you know, less work in the back end. And so I, I think that the biggest challenge is user adoption and, and getting okay. people trained and, you know, embracing the, the change. And, you know, I, I've been at that for 17 years. Uh, it, it was something that in the very beginning, what we were asking people to do, looking back on it now, was a lot more difficult than what it, it is today. Um, and, and I think regardless, we always struggle with, uh, you know, that change. And uh, and I think all of us are, are change resistant. And so I think my, you know, my biggest message to people is like, don't, you have to look at where things are going and technology, for all of its challenges, are, is is going to continue to inform this process, and um, and you know I still see certain individuals who are like I'm not accepting email, I'm not accepting anything but a fax, and and it's just like gosh, like uh, you know those those people are starting to have to retire because they're not keeping up with the fast change that's happening, and so I think uh, uh, you know recognizing that change is coming uh, and. Uh, um, and being willing to embrace it, not just uh, um, not just tolerate it, is uh, is what's going to you know, lead to more successful claims departments and more successful uh, restoration uh, companies. And and all around, I think technology is here to stay, and it's going to keep driving innovation and change in our space. And the faster uh, people embrace it, the the more um, likely they are to be successful in whatever the new world brings. Technology is here to change, and that's such a positive note to end on, too. And I think if we look back, it's knowing your past to protect your future, and that's what this is all about. So I know I said that that was the last question, but I do have one more, because something else that comes to mind is adoption. And sometimes with challenges, it's not just that people won't adopt, it's that they actually can't. So we think of maybe some smaller businesses, mom and pop versus the big entities, maybe can't adopt. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I, I love this question because it, I actually look at technology as the great equalizer mm. um, it, between the mom and pops and the kind of the larger, you know, chains. And so it, the, here's why, because if, if I 
you know, subscribe to a lot of the technology. One, a lot of this technology that, that CoreLogic provides is as a like pay per transaction. So like right. it actually allows, it lowers the barrier for people to, to get on. A lot of times they're only paying when there's a, a claim that they're uh, uh, going to get access to. And and the profit margin on these claims is, is such that, you know, the, the very small nominal fee that we charge is definitely not a blocker. But what it does do is it gives access, right? So if they're wow. signed up, if they are providing a good service, if they're hitting, you know, uh, service metrics in a way that is competitive to say a bigger player and is actually doing a better job, then on our dispatch algorithms, they're going to get more work, which will help them build their business. Mm. And so a lot of times I talk about uh, multiple ways of, of people building their businesses. And one is marketing through compliance, like actually right. like doing really good work, which then gets you more access to more work. And so, in this case, yes, are there fees for the technology? Of course, but the the benefit uh, to building your business is actually much cheaper than a lot of the the candy dropping and donut dropping that uh, businesses have traditionally done to try to get uh, more business in the door. They can actually just do their work in a more efficient way, do it in a way that's recognized where they actually now get plugged into an ecosystem and able to uh, get more work based off the good work that they've done in the past. So I look at this actually as the opposite, is mm -hmm. it's not a barrier and more of an enabler to get more people into the ecosystem, uh, improving themselves and getting to build their businesses through doing great work. Really an incentive for many people to just jump on. 100%. Garrett, thank you so much for being here today and for joining us on Core Conversations, a CoreLogic podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcast to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, and social media duo Sarah Beck and Michaela Brooks. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.